أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وآله الطاهرين اللهم صل على محمد وآل محمد So once he's done with uh, once Ayat Salah is done with the uh, nafs-centeredness uh, and that main enemy, he moves on to another enemy, which is shaitan. He talks about shaitan a little bit. Uh, we're already at page 100. That's good. He talks about shaitan a little bit. He starts off with those famous verses that we have in the Quran about shaitan. That in the shaitan lil insani aduwan mubin, or wala tattabi'u khutuwati shaitan. Don't follow the footsteps of shaitan. إِنَّهُ لَكُمْ عَدُوًا مُبِينَ He's a clear enemy of you. أَفَتَتَّخِذُونَهُ وَذُرِّيَّتَهُ أَوْلِيَاءَ مِنْ دُونِي وَهُمْ لَكُمْ عَدُو You're going to take him and his descendants, <coughs> his ذُرِّيَّة, as your friends, and uh, uh, aside from me, while they're your enemies. إِنَّ الشَّيْطَانَ لَكُمْ عَدُوًا فَاتَّخِذُوهُ عَدُوًا Shaitan is an enemy for you, so take him as your enemy. And these are different verses from different surahs about shaitan. shaitan. Yeah. We also have that verse. So there's many verses that don't worship shaitan. Worship here doesn't mean that you pray and prostrate to him. No, you listen to him. To be an abd means to listen. So even in that verse, La ta'budu shaitan doesn't mean to uh, not prostrate to him. No one prostrates to shaitan except these devil worshippers. But like, uh, what, what is meant here is that don't obey him. You see? And then that verse goes on to say, Which shows that this is not ibadah, this is ubudiyah. There's a difference between these two. This verse that says, same thing. It doesn't mean I created you to worship me. I created you to be my abd. If it says La Shaitan, people weren't worshiping the devil. They were listening to it. So the opposite, this is called Karinatul Muqabala. Right? There's a big context clue. When you want to learn the meaning of something, the opposite of it, if you know it, you'll figure it out. La ta'budu shaitan means don't obey shaitan. So if the verse continues and says, Wa ani'buduni, that means obey me, not do my worship. Worship falls under ubudiyah. So the verse that also says, Wa ma khalaqtul jinna wal ins, I only created jinn and ins for them too. It must mean obey me, be my abds. Part of obedience is worship. Because you know, some people they make a mistake here and they think, as long as we're worshipping Allah, we're good. No, are you obeying Allah throughout the day as well? That's what we're created for. Anyway, we've talked about this before in other lectures and stuff. So he wants to talk about shaitan here. <clears throat> and so he says, the first thing he says is, we have this saying in philosophy that some say, if you don't want to have anything to do with philosophical uh, propositions, yeah, then... Uh, Philosophical propositions are going to have to want something to do with you. So, right? so they're going to come after you. Philosophy, whether you like it or not, will come after you. 
He says the same rule applies here to the akhlaqi stuff we want to talk about in shaitan. Some people are just like, you know what, I don't want anything to do with that. But no, he's going to come for you. <laughs> right? Whether you like it or not, it's going to come for you. So he talks about this. He says, look, Allah has a plan for us. And it uh, has three parts to it. He calls it ta'abud, ta'aqqul, and shuhud. These three. He says for us to reach the highest levels that we can, um, we have to have these three. Ta'abud, ta'aqqul, and shuhud. Ta'aqqul comes from aql. And shuhud. He says these are the three that we have that are going to contribute to our growth, our perfection. And that is exactly where shaitan comes in. But first let us define these. Ta'abud, he says, means that insan, that a person, when it comes to actions and practice, what they do is, they are Allah's banda, they are Allah's abd, they listen to him. This is called ta'abud, to be an abd. Okay, I think that's clear. Ta'aqqul, he says, that is something that has to do with the mind. So it doesn't have to do with the actions of a person. That a person in their mind and in their intellect, they analyze and understand the propositions of the faith and these tenets with burhan, with proper logic, yeah? And understanding and reflection and yaqeen and acceptance of that. Once the yaqeen comes, acceptance of it. Some people had yaqeen in the past, the Quran tells us. They knew something was the truth, yet they didn't embrace it. They didn't live up to it. Uh, the, the Quran says there are some people that were against the signs of God. They were against the signs of God, but they had yaqeen in their hearts. So yaqeen isn't enough. You have yaqeen, then that will entail you embracing that yaqeen, actually accepting it with your heart. So yaqeen isn't even enough sometimes. You have to actually live up to that. The people of the Prophet's time, the mushrikeen, knew it was the truth. Yeah, That's why they're going to be in the eternal punishment. Because they knew. They had yaqeen, but they didn't accept. So acceptance is different than yaqeen even. Okay. But anything, that's something, anyway, that's something on the side. What about shuhud? Shuhud means to see something, right? When you're a shahid, that means you've witnessed something. But shuhud, in this context, he says that you see, experience, and understand the truths and realities of the universe or the universe of Allah the way they really are without, so in other words with God you understand God but without something being in between you and God that being mafahim and alfaz you understanding God, experiencing God but not with the help of Words and terms and concepts, mafahim and alfaz. Yes, some people reach Allah not through words, not through argumentation. These orafa have this line. They say they have this line that paye istedlal chubin buvad, something like that. Which means, look, all this burhan. All of these arguments, all this logic, all this philosophy, all of these things, at the end of the day, their legs are made of wood. Can you walk if your legs are made out of wood? No, you can't get anywhere. This orafa, what they're saying is that true philosophy is good. True arguments are good. Logic is good. 
learning about God through different words of the Qur'an even is good. But look, it's like walking with wooden, wooden legs and wooden feet. Okay? You can't walk with those. In other words, you're trying too hard, but you're not going to get to the destination. It happens through shuhud. So ta'abbud, and then ta'aqqul, and then shuhud, where you don't need the help of words, the help of logic. And you're seeing the truth. Why do you, you don't need words to explain it. If you have a toothache, right? You, if you explain this toothache to others, they won't feel what you're feeling. You can't give them that pain, right? What you're going through is what you're going through. And so this is an example they use for shuhud. You are having shuhud of that pain that you have. You don't need words. You don't have to read about it. You don't have to have philosophy or anything to explain to you what it's all about, right? Same thing here. Shuhud is that you don't have anything between you and the actual mashhud, that thing which is being experienced and seen. Alright, so these are the three things that Allah will use for us or has planned for us to use or to go through these different stages to reach the uh, ultimate truth and which is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay. But shaitan, uh, what he does is he gets in the way of these. The first one is very obvious, ta'abud and being a, an, an abd of Allah through our practice and actions, the haram, for example. Then the ta'aqqul, we talked about this before as well, how he will come and the philosophical slash logical arguments that you have in your mind, we will make turn those into fallacies, erroneous fallacies, that uh, certain, um, uh, what are they called? Uh, you know, when you have an argument, there's different premises, premises of these arguments, he will mess with those a little bit. Sometimes the, the argument has the right form to it, right? But, but the conclusion that you come to is, is wrong, it's off. Why? Because he's messed around with the premises a little bit. For example, um, give me an example of a word that has more than one meaning in English. Like in Farsi we have shir, right? Uh, what do we have in English? A word ram. that has, huh? Ram. Ram. Uh, a, 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 a word that is, has two nouns for it, not a verb and a noun. Is there anything? Hmm? Whatever. It's not important. <clears throat> yeah. Alright. So, that's also a verb and a noun. Stick. Um, in so Farsi, for example, shir means what? Milk. And it also means lion. Right? Or water tap to shira up. So now, what happens is, sometimes the argument looks like a proper argument. This is a very basic example, very very basic example. Yeah. So I, uh, uh, this is a shir, right? And you're pointing to a tap, the tap water. And then you say all shirs have hair, so this has hair. No, no, no. Shir in the first premise was tap water. But the second premise was the lion, animal. You can't draw a conclusion from these two premises, right? Yeah? This is a very basic example how the form of the argument looks right, but it's, it's, it's yielding a, an erroneous conclusion. Why? Because there's a problem in the, in the premises. Alright, so now, here, in Ta'aqqul, we covered this before, he messes with you like that. But then the most important one was his shuhud, says that, what shaitan will do sometimes is 
He'll try to mess with you so you don't see the truth the way it really is. You're trying to see and experience the truth. I will say personally, I don't think this is a possibility too much for shaitan. Because if you're seeing truth, you're seeing truth. Um, you, you can't mess around with it too much. These urafa, sometimes when they see certain things, or they experience certain things, when they want to bring it into words and verbalize and talk about it, that's where the problem happens. Okay, or else the, what they've experienced is really true. Bring it in, putting it into words so others can share that experience. That's where the problem arises usually. But anyway, he says here, one of the ways that he's going to mess it up is that no, you see something, you think it's truth, but it's not, or you just deny it altogether. Ayatollah Hassan Zada Amuli, he has a book. It's a thin book. It's one of those books that I brought from home. Um, it's in Farsi though, where. It's called Insan Dar Orfe Irfan. Okay? Insan Orfe Irfan Me. Right? Insan in the Orf of Irfan. In that book, it's a small little book, he shares some of his own experiences. Uh, he breaks the rules here. And he starts talking about some of the things that he himself has experienced. And so others called him out on this. But this Ayatollah Hassan Zada Amuli, you can't call out Ayatollah Hassan Zada Amuli. Because he's probably better than you, <laughs> right? But he, he says, I, he, he says, yeah, I know I broke the rules. He says, I know I broke the rules, and I'm sharing certain things that I'm not supposed to share, right? But there's a reason for that that I'm doing this because there are so many people out there who are now just denying all forms of shuhud, and so just to let them know that no, there is such a thing, I'm going to share with you some of my own experiences of shuhud, and so he shares them in there. About when I was saying dhikr, what happened, and so on and so forth. Can you share one of them? Huh? One of them is that uh, I don't remember exactly, but he's talking about the dhikr that he was saying, and uh, it reached the point where he says, "I saw the whole universe saying dhikr with me," as I was saying dhikr. Right. So things like that he 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 shares. He's not supposed to share these things, <laughs> but he shares them. But he says for this reason. Because I see that there are some people who are denying that there ever such things even exist. So he says here, Shaitan, sometimes he'll just convince you that Bawa, this is all nonsense. It doesn't even exist. It's not true. Or he'll convince you that it is there, but it's just too hard to reach and achieve. Yeah? And that's something that you know we have even in everyday life, you know. Uh, we want to lose that weight or gain that muscle or you know, be in shape, stuff like that, and like it's just not worth it, it's too hard. So this one is going to definitely be hard. Out of as a result of the hardship of the path, that you're not even going to try to traverse the path of reaching shuhud. So he shares these three with us, and these three are the, where the fighting happens with shaitan. But he says the order that I just gave them to you is not the right order, and so we need to talk about that a little bit. He says the order I gave you is taabud, then taakul, then shuhud. But in reality, it's the opposite, he says. Shuhud, ta'aqqul, then ta'abud. Which was interesting for me as well. And I'll have a little uh, observation here that I'll share with you as well. What is your reason for this, Al-Jawadi, that you say that it starts with shuhud and makes its way to ta'abud, and not vice versa? He says, um, he says, he says, I'll give you a good reason for that. Shuhud means that connection that we have without the help of anything else. When you're a child even, 
that's when you are least aware of when that's when you're least knowledgeable a person who's in there who's like five or six years old ten years old versus when they're 30 years old right is, is very different when you're 30 years old you're a lot more knowledgeable and the Quran even says this we uh, he brought you out of your mother's wombs not knowing anything. And that's our journey and struggle to reach everything. Alright, so we didn't know anything when we were born. So yes, a person who's 5 or 6 versus them being 30, 40 is going to be different. He says, although this child has no understanding of certain concepts yeah, and lofty ideas, yet this child... Yeah, has a connection with God and understands God. No one had to really teach them that. And even if they did teach them that, it's just something that was awakened in them that was already there as if. You know, and you see this in our kids. You see this in our kids that when you put them in the right environment from the beginning, it really yields big good results. Yeah, that's why I'm always pushing for this idea of an Islamic school, right? It is wajib nowadays. It is wajib now. I don't even know what to say anymore. And inshallah our community reaches that understanding of how wajib this is over everything else. If you put the child in the right environment, it will, it will go exponentially yield results. Why? Because the fitrah is still untouched. And so the, he brings this hadith here. And so this is, a, this is a form of shuhud. Because we said shuhud means you take out the in-between What's in between you and the mashhud? Yes, that, that thing which is being witnessed and experienced. You take words and concepts out. A child who doesn't even, isn't even aware of these words, these terms, all you need to do is just push them and then nudge them in the right direction and before you know it, they're speaking so godly like some of these 30-year-olds can't. Right? So it shows that there, this is a form of shuhud. And then he, so he brings a hadith here. He says that Qala Musa ibn Imran Ya Rabbi, ayyul a'mal afdal indak? That Musa, Prophet Musa salam, asked Allah, He said to him, What is the best action for you, O oh Allah? What do you love the most? فَقَالَ حُبُّ الْأَطْفَالِ فَأَنِّي فَطَرْتُهُمْ عَلَى تَوْحِيدِي What I like, one of the best things that you can do is to love the children. Why? Because I've created them with my tawheed. Or other hadiths that are famous, that look, every child is born that I created everyone with Tawheed, but it's the parents that change that child, the environment that changes that child. So the point he's trying to make is this, that from the get-go, we are starting with Shuhud. We are starting with Shuhud, and then it will reach a point where our minds will also develop, and Ta'aqul takes place. And then after ta'aqul takes place, action follows. He's uh, kind of right. I think that's something to think about. It makes sense. But at the same time, we have to understand that is a minimal level. This is the observation that I had that I said I'll share with you. That there's a minimal shuhud that we're born with. But then there's a maximum shuhud that one can attain. Right? So I would say it's like this. Shuhud, ta'aqul, Ta'abud and then shuhud again. But a much higher grade of shuhud as a result of ta'abud and ta'akul that were a result of that initial shuhud. You get what I'm saying? That's the type of shuhud that, <coughs> for example, let's talk about Ayatollah Bahja a little bit. 
Abahjat, when you read about him, he was in his 20s and he had certain things that people in their 80s don't have. The question that I've always had in my mind, and tonight, or today, reading through this, I kind of felt like I got my answer finally. The question is this, Ayatollah Bahjad, what has he done in like 15, or not even 15 years, and he's, he's in his 20s, let's say he's 23, and he's Balagh when he's like 13, 14, 15, whatever, that's like 8 to 10 years. What can you do in 8 to 10 years other than become a Shaheed, which he's not, he's alive. What can you achieve in 10 years of ibadah that's going to give you certain things that some people who've been doing for 60 years haven't been able to accomplish? What is it? What's going on here? There's a lot of things going on here probably, but there's one thing I felt was very important, and that is that the, sh- the initial shuhud that was given to him as a child, he preserved that and used it the right way, and that eventually turned into what it turned into in his 20s. <coughs> But the problem is that shaitan comes and messes up that shuhud, that initial shuhud that Allah gives us. A person like Allah Bahjat, he the conditions and circumstances, and many others maybe that we don't even know. The circumstances come together. This person is not exposed to too much crazy stuff out in the world. And so this person, shaitan, is not able to taint that pure glass or mirror that Allah has put in them that reflects Allah. And so as a result, <clears throat> that initial basic shuhud turns into all that great shuhud. So it's not that he did some crazy ibadat to reach that point, necessarily. Because I, don't, I can't think of anything that you can do in 10 years to reach a point like that, that others have done for 50 years and they haven't made it. So it just seems like, no, there's something that Allah has put in him, he just took care of it. Yeah, And that's what Allah Jawadi says here. He says that's the first job that shaitan tries to do to destroy that initial shuhud that we have and put ghubar on it, to dust it up and put dust over it so it doesn't show that which it was supposed to reflect. Yeah. And what is this talk? What is, how important does our upbringing of our children in this part of the world become? I don't want to hear somebody tell me, oh, no, no, they have to uh, be exposed to whatever is going on outside because if we quarantine them, then, you know, they're not going to be ready for the outside world. Get out of my face. This is not what Islam is preaching. Where, show me one thing. Show me one place that it says to do such a thing. To expose them to everything from the get-go. Let there, let that, let that mirror shine in them. Let Allah reflect so much in them that once they get older, then they're ready for outside world. Yeah. Doesn't mean they're not going to watch TV or they're not going to have fun outside, etc., etc., all that kind of stuff. No. This notion of we have to understand it's not about being exposed to the outside world or not. It's not about that. It's about more than that. It's not about, let's just be careful that this mirror is not tainted. No, no, this mirror can reflect more and more. Now's our chance to expand on this shuhud that this child has in them and make it as strong as possible so that this glare and light of Allah in them is so powerful. If anything else wants to make its way in, it'll, it'll push it away. Yeah, We have what it takes to fight off whatever is going to try to make its way in. Versus the, some people who just shatter that, unfortunately. And they think they're doing the right thing. It's very unfortunate. Mullah Sadra also achieved a lot of things out yeah. And others as well, yeah. Anyway. <clears throat> so I'm going to translate off of this one paragraph. I like it. It says, so when shaitan takes away the shuhud of the reality and truth from a person, 
this person, this is so beautiful how he says it, this person becomes ma'nus with the words and concepts and all those things. Ma'nus finds solace in words and concepts now. So this person has no choice now to shift from shuhud because shaitan took it from him. Thank you. Shaitan took it from him. So this person has no choice but to fall back on what now? Mafahim, alfav, words and terms to understand God. Right? Because we took away the shuhud from that child. We didn't help that child. Shaitan took it away from him or her. And so this person now has to deal with these things. And that's where error makes its way in. Once you have a wasita, once you have a medium, once you have an in-between entity between you and the majhud, things can, can go wrong now. Error can make its way in. Before that, it was you and the majhud, that which you are experiencing. It was you and, and the tooth pain, right? No one, no one could ever, there is no error there. You're feeling it yourself. Even if the world tells you it's not there, you know it's there. Even if the world tells you it's at this point of pain, not that point, you know exactly how much pain you're going through. Okay? It's only when words come in between you and the mashud. So now, I want to know what this is. If I want to know what this is, my senses have to take an image of this. It has to be processed in my mind. Someone has to tell me about it. And I still want to experience it until I drink it myself, this water bottle. Yeah? So when the words come in, it says, this causes the person to find solace in words and terms and concepts and notions and ideas and it is clear he says that the mafhum and concept of things can never reflect the truth and reality of things the aynul waqi' of things it can <clears throat> and then he goes on to say you know what else is the problem when I look at this water bottle, at the end of the day, I can have an image of it. I can have the dimensions of it in my mind. The images, the concept of this goes into my mind. I'll word it in a certain way. He says, the problem is with Allah, Allah doesn't have a mahiyyah, a whatness, or they call it a quiddity. It does, Allah, does not, Allah does not have that. So we want to bring Allah and confine Him into and restrict them to what our, what our terminology have. What the, what the scope of our word, the words that we use is, confine him in that, of course there's going to be error now. You get what I'm saying? All of this because we lost that initial shuhud. Yeah. So, you mentioned that if he lose that initial shuhud, is there any other way of gaining it back other than... Uh, the same way we lost it. How was it lost? The shaitan came and did his thing. Whatever it was of distractions, whatever it was of haram that I commit, everything, things like that. I'll have to fight back now. Yeah, Get rid of all of that. Focus more. Do the wajib the way they're supposed to be done. The haram the way they're supposed to be done. Slowly, once again, that dial turns to Allah. Right? That's the only way. The only way to maintain that initial shuhud is such. But yeah, there will be some damage done. That shuhud that a child has, okay, that they lose eventually, and then they have to regain it, is not the same as it was in the beginning. And that's why Allah Bahjad turns into Allah Bahjad, I think. One of the reasons. It's because He doesn't let that go. Now, if it was an active thing on His part that He did, or His parents did, or the environment that He grew up was, because He grew up in some village in, in Shumal of Iran, Fuman, 
Where is Fumat? Uh, so the Jawadi is from the north of Iran. Hassan Zad al-Amud is from the north of Iran. Bahjad from the north. There's something going on in the north of Iran. Shervin to Shomarinisti. I knew it. Even he's from the north of Iran. <laughs> you know why I know? Because the ones from the north of Iran, Shomalia, usually they're like built, you know? Koshtigira, Azunjandige, you know what I'm saying? Iranian wrestlers, they come from the north of Iran. So the brother, I don't know what's in the rice there. So it's not Basmati rice, the, the Indian stuff. It's not that stuff, it's the real stuff. All right, so anyway. <clears throat> I don't know what it is, but that's the that's the next choice we have. We have no other choice. And as we grow up more and more, we have no choice. We will fall into these things, right? And that's why I say that that initial stage of the childhood has to be preserved because whether we like it or not, as we grow, we are social beings. We have to branch out. We have to look around us. We have to interact with our surroundings. And so eventually these things will come into the picture because we don't have access, shuhudi access to everything, right? So this idea, this problem will arise eventually. The thing is, is that initial shuhud going to be strong enough to stay with us as well, right? So that's where the upbringing of the child is, is so vital. It's so important how we deal with it. <clears throat> One mistake sometimes, you know, you see this, like even kids, they'll grow up to be uh, people who uh, commit... Uh, certain offenses in society When you talk to them I was abused when I was a child Oh, one little bit of abuse as a child Led to all of this abuse That is coming from you now As you grow Everything Childhood is just Everything about a child Is you can say Somewhat shapes their future Right And dictates what they're going to be like In the future to an extent And so this is why It's super important That's why we have all these hadiths About how you're supposed to deal With your children How you're supposed to When it comes to namaz How to deal with them Etc, etc Right All I'm saying is at least understand that this is very important before math and science even. If a person is a person of God, the math and science will also be taken care of. Don't worry. The making ends meet will also take, will be taken care of. Don't worry. right? But if it's the opposite, you're on your own. You are on your own. You are, you are your own Lord. Okay, take care of yourself then. You don't need Allah. This is what we're dealing with, I think, today. And it's something that we need to be very careful about. Anyway. <clears throat> says the problem is multifold. The problem isn't only that, you know, once we, are, once we lose the shuhud, now we have to deal with the, the media, you know, mediums, and those words and concepts. The problem is that Allah is not even doesn't have a quiddity or a whatness, a form, or something that we can see so that we can at least describe him properly. So there's going to be lots of error there. There's going to be lots of error as a result, and shaitan can do his work easier now. Yeah. And if that's affected, the ta'aqul, then the ta'abud is affected. Yeah, A person will fall into haram as a result of not believing in the way they're supposed to believe when it comes to Allah. Right? Sometimes these philosophers, they're the best who can prove God, but then all of a sudden you see in his normal life he's making mistakes. Why? Because he doesn't have shuhud. Shuhud is a guarantee. Other than that, logic, arguments, philosophy doesn't guarantee anything. So that's the, that's the master ultimate goal that we want to get to. Is that. Yes, you had your hand up? No? Okay, sorry. <coughs> yeah, exactly. 
there is nothing like him because he doesn't have a form to begin with. He doesn't have a, it's not even about a physical form that we can see. When we say whatness or mahiya, it doesn't necessarily mean that can we see him or not. Mahiya means you can't even define him. Yeah. For example, the definition in philosophy and logic for an insan is haywanun natiq. Animal that can speak and understand and things like that. No other animals are like that. Okay. Uh, not that that means more than speech. It means something else. Uh, it means deeper than that. But like, that's our definition. What's God's definition? We, we can't define him. He doesn't have a mahiya. What are you going to say? He's all wujud. That's all he is. And if he's all wujud, all of existence, then there is no distinctive characteristic that you can give him to separate him from everything else. So how are you going to understand him? The only way to understand him in his real form is shuhud. Yeah. But we have no choice. And I think that's part of this life that we have no choice to fall into these things and then slowly pull ourselves out again through obedience of Allah so that main shuhud that we're after, we get to it. Right? But He gave us the tool. He gave us the first push and that's the initial shuhud. I'm sorry, I keep saying this word a lot tonight. So after death, nothing but uh, Yeah, after death is too late though. If you shuhud, you shuhud, you shuhud the punishment sometimes. <laughs> that's the problem. But yeah, after death, it's all shuhud. لَقَدْ كَشَفْنَا عَنْكَ غِطَاءَكَ And when you die, the Qur'an says, I lift the veil off of your eyes. Now your, your sight is very sharp. 2020. <laughs> now you see everything the way it really was, but that wasn't the point. <clears throat> and so he says <clears throat> that these three things that we talked about, um, is one way, one way of looking at it. Another way of looking at it is that shaitan, the way he tries to misguide us, is what he says in the Qur'an himself. Where it says, when it says, uh, shaitan explicitly says, لَأَقْعَدَنَّ لَهُمْ سِرَاطَكَ الْمُسْتَقِيمِ ثُمَّ لَآتِيَنَّهُمْ مِنْ بَيْنِ أَيْدِيهِمْ وَمِنْ خَلْفِهِمْ وَعَنْ أَيْمَانِهِمْ وَعَنْ شَمَائِلِهِمْ That he said, look, oh Allah, I'm gonna sit at the Surat al-Mustaqim and wait for these people. I'm going to wait for them. And once they come, I'm going to approach them from Baina Aidihim, from in front, and from behind, from their right and from their left. So Ayatollah Jawadi has an interpretation of this. He says, look, first of all, the heart doesn't have this geography of left, right, front and back. Not the physical heart we're talking about here, when he says the heart, of course, it means what? The soul. Or some people like to call it the mind. Okay, uh, That's the secular way of saying soul, the mind. <clears throat> anyway, he says, so what is meant by this is something metaphorical. Not something haqiqi. It's metaphorical. So front, back, left and right, what does that mean? He says, I told Jawad, he says, through his throwing bottle in our way, he scares us of the future in front of us, of the past that we had behind us, of our strengths even that we have, which is yameen, you know, the right hand, usually people are right-handed. No offense to any left-handed people here. We have one. Uh, we need to get some left-handed desks, by the way. Some people have brought that to my attention. Um, one of the brothers, he said that once. Anyway, he's not here tonight. <coughs> the yameen signifies strength and the left signifies weakness 
So Ayatollah Jawadi says that's how he's going to try to get us as well. Well, give me an example for strength. He says, for example, a person who has a very high position is a strong, a king, for example, strong individual, he will use that against us. It's obvious how. <coughs> through the arrogance that comes from that. Through us doing dhulm to others and so on. It becomes their, 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 their means of uh, ghurur. He says, but when you look, there were people before this person who were much more powerful. The Quran says, وَمَا بَلَغُوا these mushrikeen of Mecca who think they're all that there were people before them that these mushrikeen don't have a tenth of what they had they don't have a tenth of what they had and we destroyed all of them so this should not be a, a reason for you to get arrogant and think that you know there's something special about you he says what about weakness he says for example a person who needs to do amr al-ma'roof and nahi an al-munkar yeah, when it's wajib, of course. Weakness shouldn't be a reason for them to not do it. Why? Because you're doing this while you're connected to the all-powerful, which is Allah. Allah says, I want you to do this. I want you to do this. That means if you're doing it for Him, then you are coming from a point of strength, actually, although you might be weak. And so when Musa went to Fir'aun, and he wanted to do Amr Ma'roof of Fir'aun, yeah, Allah promised him, He says, look, uh, 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 I'm with you, don't worry, I'm watching, I'm listening. Yeah. Um, so, these are examples of you know what shaitan does. One thing that he also does, he says, and I think we'll end after that, is that he brings for you freedom. Just like how America took democracy to the Middle East. <laughs> democracy to the Middle East and thousands and thousands and thousands of people dying. yeah. And then when they do want to exercise their democracy, and their parliament votes that we want the U.S. out of Iraq, they say, we're not leaving. And this is the democracy that they bring for us. Alhamdulillah. One of those alhamdulillahs. <coughs> so one of the things that shaitan brings for us is freedom, he says. Freedom. Is it always good? Or is it always is it is it something that's not always good? Freedom. Shaitan makes it seem like freedom, he says. And so Shaitan will tell you that I bring for you the idea of you can do whatever you like, whatever feels good is okay, and so on and so forth. Why? Because this is freedom. Now I wanna I'm gonna I'm gonna add to what Allah Javadi says. I, I I wanna say he doesn't just bring you freedom. He brings you humanism itself and human centeredness of the universe where what is what do i mean by that that everything the human being wants that is not something that is okay it is the truth itself actually this humanism that they talk about whatever you want whatever you say whatever you feel that is actually truth that means truth becomes relative to you sometimes you say hey you're free to do whatever you like although what you're doing is batil you can do whatever you like. Yeah? Do you think that in, a, in, in this part of the world, you know, it's not illegal to, uh, if, you're, if you're in a relationship with somebody, to all of a sudden go to somebody else? It's not illegal. But is that something that's not frowned upon? It's frowned upon. Right? Sometimes you look at it like that. Something that's wrong, eventually, although you're free to do it, but it's wrong. Sometimes, no. <laughs> and I think this is where we're headed right now. Shaitan says, no, 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 no. It's not that you're free even. 
Is this what you like? Then that is the haq. That's, that's what it's come to. It's not that bottle, uh, you know, you're doing bottle, but it's okay. You can do bottle. It says you like it, it's haq then. Yeah? How do you feel? What, what, what do you, how do you see things? And so on and so forth. There are endless examples of this. Endless examples. And, and Western sociologists and uh, even psychologists have pushed. It's not just something recent. This will go back to maybe 100 to 200 years ago, maybe even, um, of this idea. Yeah, that it's everything revolves around you. Haqiqa revolves around you. Be you, in a sense. Because why? Because being you equals haq. Okay. <clears throat> but he says that if this is what's going on, then what goes out the window is Allahu Nurus Samawati Wal Ard. Yeah? Nur goes out, and Allah being the Nur of Samawat and Ard goes out the window. Because now it's all batil. If batil is there, there's no haq, there's no nur anymore. And when the Allah goes out the window, that, is that really freedom? Freedom, he says, his definition of freedom is anything that has to do with truth actually, not falsehood. So, <coughs> he makes this point. He says, look, I just want to talk about this freedom. He says, do we know anybody who can not, who can, who is not able to sin? No, everyone out there is able to sin. No one comes and brags about how, hey people, look at how I'm able to sin. Being able to sin is not something to be proud about because everyone can do it. Right? He wants to, what he wants to say to the Jawadi is that when you're actually free, no, you're actually in chains. You're actually in the shackles of your own desires. You can't, you're not free enough to go against what you want. That's, what, well, that's what's really happening. What's your reason for that? What's your sign? What, 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 what is a good sign of this? He says the fact that everyone can sin if they like. It's not something that you can show off about. Right? That I... No one shows off about how they can overeat and get fat. People show off about how they can go... You know, practice self-restraint. Right? Everyone's all about that. These athletes that are super successful... Yeah, what are they? What's what makes them so good and successful? The fact that they don't party like other athletes, and they become you know super athletes, while others become nobodies. Just last night I saw a clip of an ex NBA player. He's like on the streets, and they're they've cuffed him, and he's like blurting, like just shouting out uh, profanity. This guy used to be like an NBA star, maybe even, but the guy has reached the point like this. Why? Because he thought he was free. But when you listen to whatever you want to do, as a matter of fact, you are chaining yourself up more and more with the sin, and even with the social implications and ramifications of what you're doing, you are chaining yourself up more and more. But as I said before, as he said, I told Jawadi before, Shaitan is al musawil. He does taswil. He makes that which is not good seem good to you. Before you know it, you're all chained up. And so I told Jawadi, he says here, he says. You don't find anybody bragging about how they can sin. That's something everybody can do. Even the lowest of lowest animals to all human beings are able to sin. That's not, a, that's not something to brag about. Because sinning is surrounded by the shahawat. That the fire is surrounded by the pleasures. Right? Pleasure is not something hard. Everyone's after pleasure. It's not a problem. That's why having this ability, freedom, this freedom that shaitan brings you, he says, I am bringing you freedom. 
What is your definition of freedom, shaitan? That you're able to do anything you like. He says, this is not going to be an actual blessing. This is not going to be a prize that he brings you. Something that you can be happy about. No. <clears throat> he says, this is something that any person that's literate, illiterate, any animal that's vahshi, tamed, untamed can do. That's what shaitan is offering you. He is offering you, hey, I'm giving you the opportunity to be just like untamed, Wild beasts out there. Yeah. So all of this is shaitan, but let's not forget. In the cage, shaitan khan da'ifa. That shaitan's cage is da'if. At the end of the day, Allah says in the Quran, he's weak. If he's weak, show me the way to defeat him. Win the battle against shaitan. Allah says, hey, it's not going to be as hard as you thought. Theoretically speaking, though. In theory, it's not very complicated. Because sometimes you want to win a game, you have to score more points, right? He says, this isn't going to be like that. This fight with shaitan, he brings the, a hadith from uh, Imam Ali, where he says, he says, Safu shaitan bil bil mukhalafa. You can beat shaitan just by going against what he says. Don't think you have to do anything additional. You know, sometimes not losing can equal winning. winning. Here is one of them, he says. The whole victory against shaitan is what lies in what just going, just not doing what he says. That's it. So as I said, in theory it's easy. It's hard, it gets uh, harder in practice, but it's okay. Allah's on our side and Allah helps those who try. But we have to understand, at least in theory, let's get it right. That if you want to go against shaitan, going against him and winning against him means just not listening to him, just not losing to him. Don't worry about the rest. The rest Allah will take care of. If you do this part, just don't lose to him. What happens as a result? Your nafs will be purified, your souls will be purified. Who's going to do that for me? Allah is. You don't got to do anything. <laughs> don't think you have to do anything extra there. And your darajat and ranks with, before Allah's eyes are going to go up as a result of that. So just not losing to him equals winning to him. And then Al-Jawadi just rubs in our face a little bit. He says, listen, just letting you know, since Allah has said he's a weak enemy, if you lose to him though, you lost to a weakling. What does that say about you? <laughs> he's like trying to get us hyped up and pumped up, you know. I'm gonna, I'll show you Al-Jawadi that I'm not weak, you know. But then he ends with this. This is our last point, promise. He says, look, if he's the weakling, if shaitan's weak, why is it that fighting him and fighting the nafs is referred to as Jihad. Akbar? Ah. Anybody have any ideas? <laughs> While I drink my water. Mm -hmm. Huh? No, no. The Quran didn't say relative. You added that part yourself. <laughs> It said, in the case of shaitan, he just he has nothing really over you. <laughs> no, huh? <clears throat> what do you mean? Yeah, but he's sitting there. But Allah says, even though he's sitting there, he's going to come from back, front, left, and right. Still, he's da'if. He can't really accomplish much. Yes. Okay, so that makes him weak. I have no control over him. Exactly, so he's weak. 
The question is, why is it? Why is the fight against them though referred to as al jihad al akbar, the great struggle? All right, so nafs, he's using your nafs, okay? He's using your nafs. Exactly, that's one point to make. That yes, what you're really fighting is not shaitan. You're fighting yourself, but. He makes another couple but, points but here. Because, because, uh, uh, he just wants to be smart, yeah? <laughs> because Allah is powerful. Because if you're relying on Him, that will make it. That's also something good, yes. <laughs> My brain's not working right now, I don't know. What you, <laughs> Jihad al Asghar is what? Oh no 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 no! We're just talking about the only. We're just talking about Al Akbar right now. Only there. Forget about what caused it or anything like that. Why is this referred to as Al Akbar when the enemy is weak, and <clears throat> the enemy is using nafs against us? Yeah. So what you said is is it holds, and uh, we've talked about this before. He adds a couple of things here that <coughs> I found also to be nice. He says. Um, well, I, I also had something that was uh, I also had something I said once in Juma, in the uh, du'a about Shaitan from Sayyidah Sajjadiyah that he is da'if but what makes it so great and I think that's what Allah Jawad is actually saying too that what's at stake what's at stake is so significant and so important that if you lose this you've lost everything if you lose in the minor jihad, huh? you lost your life, did you lose your akhirah? No. But here, if you lose, you lose everything. You might even lose your life too. Who cares though? If you don't lose your life, you're going to live for another 50, 60 years, 100 years. But you lost eternity. So that's one. And two, he adds as well. He adds that, what you just said. said that it's true that shaitan is weak, but he has so many weapons to use. Right? He has so much to work with and the battlefield that he has is so big that it's hard to chase this dude down, you know? Yeah. So because of that, the nafs that he uses is is it has so many different colors to it, so many different shapes and forms, so many different things that we had desire that he can use, that's what makes the fight against him so hard. So he's naif. Yeah. He's naif, but if you take don't take him serious. I give this example once. You hear a little chewing sound on your, uh, uh, what's it called? Um, your bookshelf. A little bit of chewing sound. Whatever that is, whatever. Oh, it's a bunch, it's a couple termites, whatever. Right? Termites are weak, you can just squash them. Huh? Uh, but then, if you don't squash them, after 10 days, 20 days, you're sleeping under that bookshelf, the ilm that you have in the bookshelf falls on you, and you die as a result of that. He was weak, but since you didn't take him serious, yeah, the damage can be done. If shaitan is not taken serious, he can do major damage. So he's small, damage is big. This is why this struggle it makes this struggle so important and so great and so hard because of all the weapons he also has. Okay. Um, any questions? Yes. That's same same thing with Amir al-Mumin Ali ibn Abi mentioned in the Dua yes. Yeah, it's it's just yeah. There's shaitan has so much to use. What were they? 
Dunya is one. What was the other one? My nafs. What else was it? Hawa. Hawa. Huh? So all these things. But, you know, that's, that's the point of this life. We have 60, 70, 80, 100 years to get it right, inshallah. So if I'm 20 years old and I mess up, it's not the end of the world. What is the end of the world is when I actually leave this dunya being the same 20-year-old that I was when I'm 80 years old, when I'm 60. If you die at 20, Allah will deal with you the way He, he won't deal with you the way He deals with that 80-year-old. Yeah, the Quran has a verse. Let me see if you know this verse, sister. This verse, because I don't remember the words right now, brother. If anyone, the one that the verse that says uh, uh, that we take your life, then when they're taking somebody's life. Uh, the person like might say, why are you taking my life, O oh Allah? He says, didn't I give you the amount of years to live that you needed? Um, uh, what is the verse? Uh, no, I don't remember any of the terms in Arabic. Awalam uh, or uh, I don't know, I don't remember the verse. But anyway, that verse says that when this person, uh, when the people, read, um, they object, like, oh Allah, why? He says, didn't I give you enough time? So this enough time some people die in their teens even. Some people die in their 20s even. Is that enough time versus a person who's 80? It's not the same. That's why Allah understands it's not the same. So He will have the expectations of a 20-year-old for a 20-year-old, not for an 80-year-old who had a chance to really train themselves but still didn't. So a 20-year-old, if a 20-year-old, for example, I'm not speaking on God's behalf here, if they got it right one out of 10 times, or two times out of ten times, they might be in better shape than an 80-year-old who got it right seven out of ten times. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So something like that. But once again, Allah's rahmah is just something we can't really talk about. Who knows what He's going to do? I mean, that teenager might be off the hook completely. We don't know really. We don't know about that. Yeah. Anything else before we end? Okay. Thank you. Alhamdulillah. Rabbil Alameen.